Oh hey guys, Andrea Gazetta here. I just wanted to pop in and let you know that on Friday, August 12th, I am going to be releasing uh, my new book. It's called Stratosphere. It's a compendium of all of the original artwork that I created for my solo show Stratosphere last April at Far Gallery. Um, it's going to be 120 pages. It's eight by 10, all color, um, has a lot of like writings, some poetry. I explain sort of why I created the work, why it's important to me, my thoughts and feelings going into the show. And then of course, images of every single piece in the show, as well as like some beautiful sort of close-up images to get a sense of the sexiness of the texture. I'm really excited about it. It looks super cool. Um, and it's only going to be $30. So it's super affordable. I know I had a lot of people reach out and say that they love the show, but they don't have, you know, $300 to take home and original piece of artwork so I think this is a really good option if you like the show and you want a little piece of that um, that will be available on my website that's at andreagazetta.com slash shop if you go there now and you don't see it uh, it might not have come out yet that's fine go ahead and just click the link and subscribe to my newsletter as soon as the book is released you'll get that information that it's released and you can go ahead and pre-order it um, this is going to be a closed edition book, meaning however many pre-orders I get between Friday, August 12th and September 1st, that's all the books that I'm going to make. So every single book will be numbered and signed by me. You can even ask me to send you a note or tell you my favorite color or anything else. I'll do it. Uh, I'm doing this all by myself. So I have the time, kind of. Let's do it. I'm, I'm down. So yeah, if you like that and you want to do that, go ahead and, and order that right now. That would be super cool. Uh, I love you. Oh, and also, if you're part of my Patreon, you'll get 10% off. So if you're in the $5 tier or up, um, patreon.com slash Andrea Gazetta, you're going to get 10% off the book, which is pretty freaking cool. And uh, I just really appreciate everyone who has supported me in any way that you supported me. Um, thank you so much for listening and I love you. Bye. Did you know that it's considered a crime punishable by law for women and girls to share menstrual products in prison? Did you know that incarcerated women and girls use socks, mattress stuffing and ripped sheets while menstruating? And did you know that formerly incarcerated women are two times as likely to experience homelessness and unemployment than men? Run entirely on crowdfunding and online giving, the Thurman Perry Foundation offers scholarships, public health resources, and housing relief to women impacted by incarceration. In one year, they have donated over 70,000 organic, cotton, and chemical-free menstrual products to prisons and jails. They've also awarded tens of thousands of dollars in scholarships across the U.S., and provided housing assistance to formerly incarcerated mothers. This August, for National Black Philanthropy Month, the Thurman Perry Foundation will be partnering with Drew Holiday and the Milwaukee Bucks and his wife, Lauren Holiday, two-time Olympic gold medalist and FIFA World Cup champion, for the Thurman Perry Foundation's Hashtag Black August campaign. Through the entire month of August, the Drew and Lauren Holiday Social Impact Fund will be matching donations given to the Thurman Perry Foundation to address the human rights violations experienced by women and girls through the carceral system. 95% of all funds raised will go directly to currently incarcerated women, formerly incarcerated women, and the daughters of anyone who has experienced incarceration in an ongoing effort to fund scholarships through the Perry Second Chances Scholarship, 
also to prevent reproductive ailments via the Girl Code Initiative and provide housing assistance to formerly incarcerated mothers through their Mother's Day 365 program. Donations can be made at www.thurmanperryfoundation.org, and they can also be sent to the Thurman Perry Foundation via mail at P.O. Box 5471, Covington, Louisiana, 704334. Use the hashtag, hashtag Black August to show your support for TPF's mission of aiding women and girls across the U.S. in seeing a more just and humane future. This episode's brought to you by the following patrons. Cody, Allie, Jeremy, Mr. Ragebomb, Alex, Shining Donut 911, Nathan, Jennifer with a PH, Bo Easy, Lauren, Wes, Dreskel, Libby, Aaron, Jonathan, Tia, Danielle, Amy, Dave, Scott, Kate, Isaac and Karoon and all the patrons want you to know you're loved you're listened to and you're a valuable member of this awesome horror virgin community and if you want to hang out with us do so in the Facebook group and discord servers where we hang out daily I'm really hoping that I die before we start going to space more often because space terrifies me I'm pretty comfortable with Mars because we've been there I'm pretty comfortable with the moon Outside of that, like if we get a wild hair up our ass and send people to Jupiter, I'm out. Like, why are we doing that? I'm in. I'm going to Uranus. You. I got pretty far into the edit for uh, the map of tiny, small, personal things Places. or whatever it's called. Yeah. yeah, that episode I felt was really hilarious. It is good. It's really good. It. I'm about an hour. I'm close to. I'm not quite an hour in. Well, Paige taking like a 20 minute timeout right now. We could be. We could be making history. I'm handling an engineering emergency. Is a spaceship crashing? <laughs> My threshold of engineering emergencies is very high. Thank you for tuning into Horror Virgin. I'm Paige. I'm Mikey, and I'm your Horror Virgin. Which means I don't like scary movies, but you guys make me watch them. And this week, you all made me watch Juwan the Grudge. It's the Grudge, yeah, but in Japanese, it's specifically Juwan the Grudge because there are two before this that are straight to video releases. This is the third in the series. Really? Yeah. Yes. Just spitting out fun facts, Todd. This is not your job. Oh, I only knew that because I was having to like pull which one was the episode for next week for the episode that came out yesterday or today. So Paige cued me into that last night because I had no idea which one we were doing. Yes. And also the first two are like short films, kind of like they're longer short films, but they are kind of more compacted what's really interesting is and it had been a long time since i'd seen this uh it's been even longer since i saw the american version of the grudge i have not seen it in probably 10 plus years i haven't seen it since the night we watched it for the episode on it so uh, it's fresh i'll talk about it okay uh so (laughs) some of the differences between the two and i just kind of want to lay this out ahead of time number one the guy who directed this one jew on the grudge the original also directed the American version, um, oddly enough. Uh, But when they went to translate it, they actually rewrote the screenplay completely because they did not think that Americans would understand the vignette setup of the original. That does include flashbacks, time jumps. It's nonlinear, kind of like a Pulp Fiction. Speaking as a big, dumb American... I hated it too, Mikey. (laughs) Did it confuse the shit out of you? Okay, I don't want to be this guy, but I'm going to be this guy. I was like, man, I like the American version 
better because it kind of spells out the plot. I'm like referencing the Amer- the remake trying to watch this. I'm like, okay, does, because the he murdered her, right? And then like the peekaboos, I don't remember that. And then... I don't know. I didn't think it was very good. And then people did not act very scared. They acted like, I mean, they were like screaming and stuff. Yeah, but like overly so. I would I would say there's two things at play here. One of them is cultural. And I think that's what you're referring to with the scare acting. Because we also saw it in Ringu. But one of the other things with this movie. But Ringu was better. I did prefer Ringu personally. And now they came out pretty close to each other and this was criticized for at the time appearing to be a Ringu ripoff what I think this movie kind of suffers from a little bit is some budgetary concerns specifically around the lighting yeah I feel like if you just turn the lights off in most of this movie it becomes 10 times scarier yeah so Paige I mean absolutely yes everything you're saying is true because when she walks in with a flashlight at the end she walks into a room that's like fully fucking lit and like you can barely see the flashlight on the wall because it's like a fully lit room like why do you have the flashlight it was wild now here i little personal fun fact the first time i saw any of this yeah i thought i'd seen the whole thing because we watched a portion of this in film school i had not seen the entire thing i had seen the last two and a half vignettes which is arguably the scariest part of this fucking movie yeah and I remember, and this is fully because I've realized something about myself watching this movie, children and old people creep me out. <laughs> Beginning and ends, you can't stand. The middle stuff, you're sort of fine with. The <laughs> middle's fine. Yeah, in this film, I thought the older people were much scarier than Ooh, the kid. Yeah. The kid was not scary this time. I'd be like, kid, get the fuck out of my table. <laughs> you're like kicking him under the table the part that i saw specifically that i remember watching in film school which by the way i was in film school four years after this came out that's when you started film school yes okay. the american one had only just come out like a year and a half before that was 2004 i think yeah 2004 Sarah is the american Geller. one yeah and i was in film school fall of 20, uh, 2006 so okay. like so we're watching it and no one had seen the Japanese version really at that point. It was still pretty new to Americans. And the scene they showed that I remember was the old man in the wheelchair who's playing peekaboo with someone who's not there. And then you just see the kid oh, in the reflection. That was such a good reveal. That scared the shit out of me. Yes. Yeah. And so that's the memory I had of this movie. And as, as I was just like, oh, the freaky man in the fucking wheelchair. Oh, my God. Yeah, that was good. But I feel like that's when the movie starts to get really good is like that section. But the lead up is too is lit too brightly. And it suffers from not having a lot of special effects money, which was the same thing that Ringu suffered from as well. Yeah. Well, and and you could tell that he grew as a director, I think. I mean, you could see he had a lot of chops here. But if if you had the chance, if like they were like, we're going to give you a ton of money to redo this movie. I mean, he he did. I think he did improve it. You mean you think he did improve it with the American version? Yeah. Okay. So peek behind the curtain. This is what I was kind of getting at before. So it is the same director. Yeah. But they did have an American screenwriter come in and basically work with him to distill the story down for two reasons. One, they thought Americans wouldn't follow it. Case in point, you two. Uh-huh. And then two, because Cher- Sarah Michelle Geller wanted a bigger part. Like they wanted to like showcase her as like a main character, which in this movie... Rika is the main character, but like she is only in three of the seven vignettes yeah. or so that we see. When you say main character in for this movie, it sort of feels weird because she's 
the connecting character, but she's right. not really in it the whole time. And I really no. do think the Grudge 2004 version suffers because Sarah Michelle Gellar's in it the whole time. Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> Me too. I, I think that she is great. Agreed. Uh, she's a great TV actress. She's not really great for movies. I don't know. That's my personal opinion, though. Sorry. They are remaking it again. The Grudge year. <laughs> Grudges with a dollar sign. Yeah, that's what it's going to be for sure. I mean, it's kind of like saying John Travolta is the main character of Pulp Fiction. Yeah, I mean, he sort of is, but like isn't. Yeah, but isn't. Yeah. Yeah, except all the vignettes are good. Well, here's the thing. I would argue if you turn the lights out and gave them a couple more million, all the vignettes in this would be good and it would be terrifying. The story still would make sense. It does make sense, Mikey. Todd? I mean, I I thought it made sense. Uh, I thought the American version did a much better job of spelling it out and holding your hand through it and maybe just because I already knew what happened in the house that caused all of the stuff because I saw the American version I sort of already knew that it shows us in the credits you mean the opening credits yeah yeah but also in addition to overhauling the screenwriting they brought in a person that they thought was a seasoned producer of horror to try and guide the American version even though it does have the same director with a much bigger budget, and that was Sam Raimi. So you have the original director, a lot more money, and Sam Raimi, and that's how you get the American version. Now, here's my argument. I prefer the story of this original one, but the production quality of the new one, if that makes sense. Yeah, so I wasn't able to find the budget for Juwan, but I was able to find the budget for the original one. Obviously, that was $10 million, and I know they didn't have $10 million to make this nope. money. So if you had $10 million to throw at Juwan the Grudge, the movie we're doing now, I bet it would look way better than it does. Yeah, and I, I think if you want to compare it to, we just did Incantation, which is also nonlinear, and probably made for a little more than $10 million. I don't remember what the, the budget on that one was. Maybe even a little less. I don't remember either. I like the nonlinear of Incantation better than this. Me too. I was able to follow the nonlinearness of Incantation very easily. Mm-hmm. I guess I just didn't struggle with this one, I guess. Maybe I'm alone. I doubt it. I don't it. think you're alone. You're married. <laughs> no, that's fair. <laughs> no, I mean, I, I'm sure that it's a mix, right? I'm sure people got it. Some people right. didn't. I feel like I got it, but it was like, I really had to think about it you know I was like oh wait that's the same guy as before that we saw murdering his wife during the credits and he's doing that finger biting thing that looks very weird yeah I do also I really like non-linear storylines it is something that I enjoy Pulp Fiction is a favorite oh I love Memento Memento. I I love movies that do it well too Paige I don't think this did it that bad I I did not have any trouble following it not that, I mean, yeah, I didn't like it like that. I, but I, a part of that is I have more love for the remake one than I think I probably let on. I, I don't know. I have great memories going to the theater and seeing it, being really scared. I have great memories recording our episode on it and watching it again with Todd. That was super fun. Fun for you, maybe. And I was young when that came out. It was huge when it came out. And then like my friends would call each other and be like, oh, I, I hate that sound so much. The death rattle or whatever. Yeah. There's definitely more of the rattle in the remake than there is in this one and you know that's mainly what i care about i mean i I guess i just am not that attached to the american version where especially because of sarah michelle geller i don't love her no but bill pullman i do like bill pullman he's a treasure but in this one i don't know i kind of like the idea where because it's a haunted house it's uh, it's essentially vignettes of how that house touches like 15 different people and i thought that was super interesting so i i liked it i do think production value wise it suffers but 
when they do nail it, they fucking nail it. And it's those last two vignettes where they really fucking nail it. I did like some of the vignettes, but it, to me, it kind of felt like VHS where like there was some subpar stuff and some good stuff. But I also saw the American movie before the remake. I saw this first, actually. Yeah. So that I think you kind of taint yourself when you when mm-hmm. you do that. But I mean, like the sequence where the, the cops watching the, the surveillance video. Of oh, the, the fucking terrifying. Yeah. I love that. The remake's more terrifying. Like, I think, again, that that's budget, Mikey, because yeah, yeah I think 100%. you're right. In this one, you could very clearly see that the security guard stops moving. Right. When they're like painting the shadow on the film. Right. And right. then he starts moving again when the shadow's in place. Mm-hmm. So like, I'm sure it's budget because I remember that scene from the remake of The Grudge that came out in 2004 and it scared the shit out of me. Yeah. And this, I was like, oh, it's the same thing, but not done as well because they didn't have the money to do it. It makes me wish I saw it back when it came out. But like back then mm-hmm. you didn't have access to a lot of right. Asian horror films. And, I mean, but yeah, how would you have seen it? I think it would have scared the hell out of me late at night with a bunch of friends watching it or something. But just in the place I am now, I'm like, I can appreciate it for what it did and what it led to, but I didn't like it as much as the American remake. So call me ignorant and stupid. So I'm ready. I wonder if that's because you saw it first. That's what I'm thinking, maybe. And I, and it was like hype. Like my group of, we took 20 of us to the theater on opening night. So it was a date. <laughs> <laughs> it, it was it was in college too, so it was super fun. And we we hung out and drank afterwards, and like talked about it and watched more games. It was a fun. I just have really good memories tied to it, so I think that probably shades by my opinion. I mean, I, I do think also, as the movie goes along, they stop using some of the effects that weren't working and lean into the ones that do, and I mm-hmm. think that's why the last two vignettes are so scary, is like, the cloud monster is not effective, because it looks super fake. There's no way that they could have, for their budget, done it in a way that made it worthwhile. Yeah. And so once they stop using that and lean into the blood-covered contortionists, then you're just like, oh, hell yeah, this is the shit. Yeah, I agree with that. Or when they really maximize the dread of like the implications of a situation, I think that's what always got to me about the man in the wheelchair. And part of why I, I think Deborah Logan gets to me, I think old catatonic old people get to me in general yeah is this idea of like what are they seeing that we're not seeing like that like it's almost like they're so close to death they can see the other side what do you see quaker oats guy yeah what do you (laughs) see (laughs) betty white uh and so but that's so that's such a simple one to just see the kid in the reflection you know so like when they can pull stuff like that off which is such a simple cheap effect and they just do it well the movie really excels and when they try to kind of play with other stuff it suffers and like the the kid's not scary because he looks because the budget too because he looks like he's just covered in flour yeah 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 Yeah, it, it literally looks like he's about to get like spanked for like breaking open and dumping flour all over him and rubbing it in yeah i've definitely seen him on my instagram for my friend's kids getting into trouble and then but then like <laughs> but when they use him in the elevator it's like the only effective time that he's creepy the elevator's so fucking creepy. Yes, yeah. it is. Yeah, I found him creepy a lot. Like when he's under the table, hated it. Kicked him. Would have kicked him. Oh, under the table was fucking scary too, yeah. I know, right? I don't think this movie is nearly as, as scary as The Grudge was because I saw The Grudge remake in 2000, the 2004 version first. And mm. this movie, obviously, because it was the first movie. Yeah. Does all of the same scares that that movie did. So I sort of expected it. Like the shower hand, I knew it was coming. Mm-hmm. Although I kind of liked the shower hand better in this one because it looked like a real hand. It, well, and also you can tell it's not 
inside her like yes yes no thanks i only want hands inside her <laughs> but yeah the positioning of the hands better and then when they do the flip and you kind of see yeah like through the peekaboo eyes what all has been happening and it's her literally holding her head under yeah that's super effective i think it's really great i thought that that was better than the 2004 version but all the effects are like a little bit worse than this version yes and the scares yeah. are the same because obviously the 2004 remake is based on this so like as i was watching it i sort of knew to expect certain stuff mm -hmm. uh, And the stuff that I forgot Like under the table uh, The girls looking through The newspaper In that oh, vignette yeah. Fucking freaked yeah. me out So like there's still a creepy. There's a bunch of little stuff That still really scared me But I don't think It scared me near as much Because I already have The remake in my mind You know Well and And like I said Turn the lights out And this movie is Ten times scarier But the whole first Like three or four vignettes They're doing daytime horror And like It's tough to pull off If you're not building A giant statue out of wicker or like sewing someone into a bear right it's difficult to make daytime horror work especially with a ghost story yeah yeah be like what's that at that gas station oh that's a ghost yeah what's he doing he's buying lotto scratchers well just oh. I guess leave, let him be then i don't yeah but other than the ring i do feel like this was like back in the day super scary like it was very unique and of its own the ring has yeah. got a place in horror history absolutely it's important for us to cover just like blood diner <laughs> okay no even though this is probably made for the same budget as blood diner this is <laughs> way better than blood diner blasphemy no uh the the vision is there the story is there the budget is not does that make sense yeah well i mean we've seen movies like that before like first films of people were like oh you can tell like he's getting his feet under him and then like the next film is like amazing well, and but then I think about movies that are made for even less than this, like The Endless. I was about to bring up The Endless. Fuck. Yeah, yeah, where I'm just like, it's fucking amazing. But I also think that filmmaking has become more accessible as our technology has advanced. Oh, yeah. And you have to kind of keep that in mind, too. That'd be hard to do The Endless in 2003. It would whatever. be impossible. It would be impossible. Yeah. yeah. But the democratization of technology has made that kind of shit much cheaper and much easier. The point I was going to make about the guys that made The Endless is The Endless is great. Super shoestring, cheap-ass budget, although it was probably still like in the hundreds of thousands of dollars, but still, that's a really low budget. But if you saw Moon Knight and what they were able to do with a big budget, oh, it's yeah. amazing. So those, I mean, and those dudes will work forever as long as they want to because they're great. And same with this director, too. He's still doing stuff. Oh, he's still working. Yeah. You guys want to go through it scene by scene? Sure. Let's do it. All right, so subtitles for the opening title cards of the movie read the cur there's pretty much subtitles the whole movie well yeah she means the opening like credit like explainer <laughs> I, I, yeah i am being a smart ass i'm sorry that you clearly didn't watch since you didn't know people got murdered until the end you actually don't see anyone get murdered in that little scene yeah he just like walks around bloody I'm i mean so there's a body covered in blood he's covered in blood he yanks that cat with a knife in his other hand like it was crystal clear to me oh if the glove don't fit you must acquit page <laughs> I, I had no doubts or confusion about what was happening so the title cards read the curse of one who dies in the grip of a powerful rage it gathers and takes effect in the places that person was alive those who encounter it die and a new curse is born yeah yeah so that's why the curse is kind of centralized in the house the hulk curse the hulk curse so when it spelled out in the beginning what the grudge was it's like the hulk of ghosts like it's just always angry 
(laughs) (laughs) Which is why the one vignette that I think is the weakest and makes the least amount of sense is the one with the sister because it follows her home. However, some of those scares I think are pretty effective and I think maybe that's why they include that one. Uh, From what I understand, if it follows you home and you die at home, the curse also is in that house as well. Right. Yeah. And we never really go back to her apartment, so we don't really know. Right. So over the opening kind of credits, we do see a hand chewing their nails, but it is a bloody hand. Yes. And we see blood spatter. We also see the black cat that we will see throughout the movie, and we see a hand reach and grab the cat violently and pull it off screen. Yeah. We see bloody razor blades, and we see a kid drawing, and then we see a dead lady's body, and then we get the title. So for me, I was like, family annihilator, got it, got it, got it, got it, cool. Completed the circuit. Yeah, he probably just recently lost his job, right? That's usually pretty common. Well, we find out what happened because when... Do we? Yeah, we do. Yes, because when the next family that we'll see a couple vignettes from now, when the wife dies and the husband starts encountering the supernatural beings within the house, he is saying the things that the husband said when he was killing people under his breath. So that's when we find out that he found out she was cheating and he didn't think the kid was his. And that's why he kills all of them, including the cat. However, I did find out that culturally... There is like a link with stray cats and dead children, and we'll talk about it in fun facts. Oh, interesting. Okay, cool. But that's part of why the child ghost meows as well. I thought it was just because he killed them at the same time. Yeah, I, I thought so as well. That yeah. was my initial reading, and then I found some other notes on it. I thought it was because he came from his mother's P word. <laughs> Then everyone would meow like that, Mikey. Right? That makes sense. I'm sorry. Everyone comes from someone's P word, Mikey. Unless you were delivered via C-section, in which case you grumble like a hungry stomach. (laughs) I don't make the rules. We just abide by them, guys. Don't blame us. He just opens his mouth. (laughs) It sounds like you're burping all the time. He's under my table at dinner, and I'm like, oh, man, I must be really hungry. (laughs) (laughs) Is is it purring? No, I'm starving. Um, So we open on Rika who is a social worker and she gets a new file at her office and it's not one of her typical clients, but she agrees to go visit them anyway in her boss's place. Her boss will eventually go to check up on her. But not for weeks, just like social work. This is like totally accurate. At least a day he leaves. Can you do my job for me? I got to head out. I should know. I'm a boss. I get it. Yeah. Yeah. So I think she's a volunteer because he says something along those lines, which is crazy to me the amount of work she does as a volunteer. Like, Agreed. there's no way I would clean that entire fucking yeah, house. Yeah, she cleaned the house. I was yeah. like, what? Maybe yeah. she should have killed those three people drunk driving. What are you talking about? Okay, he is positioning a world where she killed people drunk driving, and this is her, like, court-mandated social work. Oh, jeez. Okay. Let's talk about a grudge. <laughs> Let me tell you what If I was doing court mandated anything I wouldn't be cleaning a hoarder house I would like to posit that she killed Those three people in the car wreck And the dad did not no, murder them No, we what, see Mikey? it, Mikey No, we see it in the movie She ran over a cat And then bumped and then ran into that house So she launched off of the cat Is what you're saying yeah. And went into the house they Yeah, Very small cars 
and the <laughs> husband still they die first the husband's still alive walking around bloody because and then he dies later Paige, i'm gonna make mikey so mad right now you ready what? Well, actually, Mikey, when I was in Japan, uh, I learned that <laughs> they don't really have a ton of cars in Tokyo because they have excellent mass transit and everyone just takes the subway everywhere. I was going to just bring everybody <laughs> down uh, because an accident like that happened oh, in no. L.A. and it's been on the news for days. Oh, oh I saw the video. Yeah. So it, it was a lady who had, I, I guess, gone through something personally, got super drunk. Oh, no. And went driving, plowed through, and killed like eight people. <laughs> oh my god! Uh, including a, a mom, her one-year-old, and then uh, that woman was also pregnant. So it's like Jesus. All of these backstories are scarier than family annihilators. I don't know. I think family annihilators are super scary. I find family annihilators terrifying. Yeah, personally, same. annihilator. I barely know her. <laughs> 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 I've just been married to her for 10 years, but I lost my job and I've been pretending to go for nine months. Yeah. The library won't <laughs> let me stay there all day anymore, so I have to kill my family. And the strip club started recognizing me from the buffet. So, you know, it's time to stop going there. <laughs> Does anyone else get weirded out when, when restaurants or places recognize you? Just me? Um, okay. I like it, but I, you know, I, I talk to people. It's relatively new for us. <laughs> I hate it when people recognize me, especially like the Domino's delivery guy. I'm like, you know where I live. That's why I like them leaving on the doorstep. I'm a filthy fucking pig. Just leave that food on the doorstep. Leave it on the doorstep. We never need to meet. Uh, no, the Domino's <laughs> guy still always rings the bell, and I hate it. Anyway, I think she made that guy kill his family. So that's, I mean, that's all I'm wow, saying. Wow, there's no way Rika did that. Rika hadn't even been there. Oh, uh, she went out to Rika that family up. <laughs> She's a home, Rika. Oh, my God. <laughs> Paige fully like lifted her shirt over her face and is trying not to laugh, but is failing right now. <laughs> she's a home, Rika. She knew him. And you know what? She's a dog person. So she's like, make sure you kill the cat, too. Okay. At one point later, when there's like a bunch of cats, two of them are very clearly small dogs. <laughs> I, did, <laughs> I did pause it and laugh about it for a little bit. I didn't notice that, but that's funny. I did notice that one of the cats appears to be spray painted black. Yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah. They just couldn't find like 30 black cats on a short notice, so blackface is never okay. But here's the, here's what's terrible. It's cheaper. It's cheaper for them to get multiple animals than it is to CG at this time. Yeah. So there's like multiple black cats of varying sizes yes. and ages. And then there's one in the center that I'm like, that's a chihuahua. <laughs> like a hundred percent that is not a cat that is a dog and it has curly kind of like curly-ish fur kind of the mm -hmm, way like a yorkie mm -hmm. does and then there's another one it, like on the other side i yeah. was like what but Paige, nothing holds more of a grudge than a chihuahua <laughs> that's true <laughs> you'll <care> violence <laughs> anyway she agrees to go to the house of course she does wink to kill them like <laughs> they're already dead at this point well, yeah, she's like, I'll go visit my ex-boyfriend's home where they all died. So wait, now they were having sex, Rika and the husband? She's a home, Rika. <laughs> <laughs> all right. I shouldn't have asked Paige. I apologize to you and Thank only you. you. 
uh, I should have stayed in the living room with my sandwich. <laughs> you murdered that <laughs> sandwich. sandwich. You're a family sandwich annihilator. <laughs> You're a sandwich annihilator for sure. I could only finish <laughs> half of it. And I was like, I'm being a real Todd ass bitch right now. <laughs> but in my defense, it had like breaded chicken cutlets like you would have for like chicken parm, vodka sauce, cheese, mozzarella sticks, truffle fries, and then like a basil garlic ricotta spread. And it's just fucking delicious man yeah it sounds amazing shout out fat sales you know it's bad when fat's in the name we have a fat mose we do have a fat mose and uh i love that fucking place those burgers and shakes are insane like if you're drinking one of their shakes you can like feel your blood slowing and congealing as you're drinking it it's amazing i'm going with this home rica joke the whole time she's only in like three of the vignettes yeah because she's off fucking somebody else now yeah someone yeah how do you think she knows that that guy has grand great grandkids what guy has great grandkids the peekaboo guy do you know how she knows that's three generations for her to hussy around with oh wow Anyway, so she agrees to go. Well, I mean, she is voluntold. Like, her boss is like, hey, can you do this for me? And gives all the paperwork and then just, like, walks away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the best way to get people to do shit. Yeah. Uh Uh-huh. Be like, thanks for doing that for me. Bye. (laughs) Bye. I got the sandwich. I got to go. I have to eat the other half of the sandwich and rewatch Outlander again. Bye. (laughs) Just remember, I'm your boss. So she does go to the house we saw in the beginning because earlier in the like black and white montage in the credits, we do see the outside of this house. Yeah. And she goes there and she seems to like immediately get a vibe of the house, which like whenever I get that vibe of like this place is haunted, I am out of there. Like, bye. I don't need to stick around. The only time I've ever gotten that vibe and still went in is when it was like an advertised haunted house and Mikey was forcing me. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like definitely at the Winchester Mystery House where you're like, this lady was nuts. Like, (laughs) ugh. I remember touring an apartment in L.A. one time and it was in a very, very old building and it was it just had creepy vibes. It was like a hotel that had been converted into apartments. Oh, hell yeah. I was walking it with my roommate at the time and we got like a few steps into it, kind of walked around and I just turned to her and I was like, this place is haunted as shit, right? And she was like, oh, yeah, let's get out of here. And we like <laughs> Im- immediately left. It's probably that hotel where Roger Rabbit OD'd. I mean, honestly, it looked like it. <laughs> It had that vibe, and then they were like, "You can't play any loud music." And we were, and we're like freshmen, and or no, I guess we were like juniors in college at the time. And we were like, "What do you mean?" And they were like, well, "People are recovering from surgeries downstairs." And you're like, "Wait, what? Get, <laughs> get out! Bye, <laughs> leaving." Oh, I've never told this story before, but this is 100 percent true. I once lived in the building that was the first ever hospital in Nashville. Oh, no. It's up uh-uh. on a hill above like Titan Stadium and overlooks like the Cumberland River. And it's be- it's a beautiful spot. They closed that. Yeah. So they condemned it a long time ago. And then someone bought the property and made it apartments and then eventually built up like a huge apartment complex around it. It's beautiful now. When I lived there, it was just that building. That just reminds me of crashing where they're living out of the hospital. Well, that was an actual hospital. I mean, and this was at one point a hospital, but they had renovated it. But that Mm. place was so fucking haunted. We broke our lease four months into that. See, and you say the 
ghosts and shit aren't real, but you broke your lease four months into it because spirits don't fuck around. Yeah. What happened? They got triggered because they died of ear cancer. <laughs> they were already dead, Mikey. You can't give ghosts cancer. I've tried. It, Todd's voice reminded him of World War II. They're like, the Nazis are bombing a CIA. <laughs> <laughs> the ghosts were like, Jesus Christ. Christ, what is happening out there? But seriously, what happened? Yeah. Tell us about your supernatural experiences. I mean, it wasn't really supernatural. It was just like a creepy vibe the whole time. And the person I was living with would claim shit happened, but she also like eventually cheated on me. So like, I don't know that I could trust anything she said. But what did she claim happened? That doors would open uh, on their own and close on their own. And like, you sure that wasn't the guy leaving the house? (laughs) (laughs) That mannequins would come to life and let her ride them all night long. Uh, So yeah, there was a lot going on in that relationship. So yeah. That lease ended in like four months into it. Maybe the ghost really didn't like y'all as a couple. Well, and honestly, the ghost, if that is the case, Mikey, they were like just trying to help me out. And I wish that, yeah. they, like, I wish I had heeded that warning. That's the movie I want to see. Of just ghosts being like, they're not good together. We should do something. And like, they're watching her cheat on you while you're out of the apartment. And they're like, we got to open that door. <laughs> so she gets a vibe, but she goes into the house anyway. There's mail on the porch. The whole house has kind of a vibe that no one has been there for a while. At least a few days, maybe a week or some change. And she opens the door and it is unlocked. Goes inside. And there is food wrappers and stuff everywhere the house is has clearly not been cared for for some time you know what i've been single at points in my life and this shit just happens sometimes when you're like really depressed and you're like just like hundred been there i'm not trying to say that your house is like this i've never seen your house like this but if i had been living on my own during pandemic for weeks at a time the house would have been gross i was living with a partner in pandemic and our house got close to this at times okay i was dating during pandemic i dated this one girl and she was like the story one makes me sound cool but also it's funny she's like i want you to take me back to your house and i want to have sex and i was like my house looked like grudge house and i was like we can't do that this this can't happen like that i'll go to your house or we can go to the world anywhere in the world i can't I was like, I'm so sorry. That's hilarious. It is exactly Depression House. Like, that is what it looks like. Yes. And I was like, I didn't assume this would go well. And that's on me. Yeah. (laughs) But I also feel like as a social worker entering a house like that, that's like your first clue that you're like, oh, somebody's not doing great. I would have called for help. I mean- one, you're entering ooh, you're entering a house and no one's answering, then you find a woman who's unresponsive. I mean, she's pretty much yeah. unresponsive. Yeah. And like you don't know how long she's not ate or anything like that. I would I would Well, and she has soiled herself. Like there's a lot of warning signs here that she needs help. Yeah. Uh, so do you think it's soiled or do you think that's where the body was? Because the bloody sheets are hanging outside. No, I mean we see the where she is sleeping is covered we in shit. We see a stain. Yeah. It's a dark yeah, stain. But like, they probably got those bodies out before decomp. No, I, not decomp. I was wondering if it was a blood stain because that oh. would attract flies as well. That it had stained all the way through to the floor mats. But I, it could also be soiling herself. Yeah. That's where the cat peed on the couch and that's where he murdered the cat for peeing on the couch. Yes. <laughs> Man, if I murdered my cat every time I peed on the couch, Peaches would have been dead You'd fucking have four years cats. ago. Yeah. <laughs> four of the cats 
are great. Peaches is the only one that pees wherever the fuck she wants. You lost me when you're like, four of the cats are great. <laughs> one of those cats is a chihuahua. <laughs> <laughs> and one of those cats is literally just like dipped in coal. So it looks like a black cat. <laughs> Just black hair dye, like the kind of stuff that dudes spray when they have a bald spot. Yeah, just for men, cats edition. <laughs> <laughs> just for meow. Just for meows. So, yeah, I, I at multiple points was like, I'm not sure how social work works in Japan, but I'm pretty sure in America... <laughs> We would not have visited this house because we're too backlogged. But once we eventually got there, she'd be dead. But <laughs> she'd, be, she'd be dead. No, I'm sorry. No, we get there eventually. There's a lot of signs that someone is in distress in this yes. house that I would have called and she hits uh, for backup them. a lot earlier. Well, yeah. she never calls for backup, does she? No, she cleans the woman off and was like, she calls once she finds the kid. Um, but she cleans like the whole house, which I was like, what? well, and the old lady, like the old lady, clearly yeah. was going through some shit. Like, yeah, literally. And she like cleaned her up, bathed, like sponge bathed her and all that shit. Mm -hmm. Like that is way above and beyond volunteer status. But if someone needs that level of care, they probably need an assisted living home or a nursing home. And like unless there's home care coming out every day, but yeah. if that's the state of her house the next day that's a red flag yeah. i would have her evaluated by a, some sort of skilled nursing somebody well what i was trying to figure out because at least in the translation stuff that we have in the subtitles uh they they translate it like social worker and i think to us that means one thing but she does do things that i'm like is she a home nurse like the bath and everything volunteering is just really intense yeah she's just going above and beyond because it's court mandated yeah i mean honestly i feel like she's just trying to get like some years off of this court mandated sentence for good behavior and that's why she goes above and beyond here i mean she had an affair with that woman's i guess son and then made him murder the family? No, it's a different family, Mikey. <laughs> I just don't, I don't know if you've seen the right vignette. This is a family that moved in after that family was murdered. Actually, this is a family that moved in multiple families after. Oh, yeah, but I mean, they're, they're just yeah. in that house. That house is the curse. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? Mm. It's the Hulk house, Mikey. The house is full of pussy ghosts. Ooh. <laughs> that sounds like a place I'd live. Just full of dead pussies. Oh, wait. Now that I think about it, I'm out. I don't want that. Yeah. There you go. You put that together quickly. Yeah. I'm, I'm proud of you. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. I mean, I still think she went to the house for like, you know, to reminisce about her affair with that guy. <laughs> you know, like you do when you're a home Rika. None of it's on the screen. It's not in the movie. In my head canon, <laughs> since I don't read Japanese, that was just what was unprinted on the newspaper when the police department was reading it. Because dramatic music played like you just got something revealed. And it didn't tell me what it was, so I was like, she had an affair with him. It did tell it you did, what it was. It literally tells you, yeah. I don't know about that. I can't. The story's not very difficult. Subtitles lie to you all the time. They're not telling you the exact translation. Anyway, so she's going through the house. There's trash everywhere. She finally sees the old woman. Uh, Sachi is her name. And she is catatonic. And it is terrifying to me. Catatonic people are very scary. So scary. Yeah. So scary. Because what are they seeing? I dealt with one Friday. No, Thursday night. Thursday night. Oof. I went out and, and like he had been frozen for an hour and a half. Oh, jeez. And then he like snapped out of it and said something to me and it was scary. Oh, that'd be fucking terrifying. Yeah. <laughs> well, I have a way with people. I was like, I'm going to take your phone out of your hand. And they're like, no. <laughs> Mikey, we know you have a way with people. <laughs> when, when you said you 
get away with people I have expected to be like one backhand. That's all it takes. <laughs> Patatonia is treated with benzos. Really? The, the more you know. Mm-hmm. I didn't realize that you treated it with a party. <laughs> Thought blocking is like another phenomenon with schizophrenia where like you like had like your brain short circuits and you like go catatonic for like 15 seconds to like a minute at a time and then snap back to it like nothing at no time has elapsed. And that is also an interesting phenomenon to witness. Wait, 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 wait. That happens to me all the time. No, but like, like that's just called ADHD. Well, no. I think I think it affects us a little bit differently. Like you shut down and just stare. Like you're talking and then you just stop for like a minute. And then you're like, then you start answering the question again. Like you like short circuit. Right. I, I think when that happens to me as an ADHD person, I am aware that time has passed. Yes. And that They're I have not been aware. daydreaming. Like I, you would be like clapping and you're like yelling their name and they there's no there's like it's just catatonic for like a minute. Or yeah, time. that would freak me out. Yeah. If you see somebody like that, they're probably they're not dangerous they're not haunted unless they had an affair with that person's and they got him to murder a family they're probably just going through a mental health crisis it you might need to call an ambulance or you know something like that so don't be super scared of those people see i'm just afraid that they're going to turn into a snake and try to eat a child what <laughs> that's the taking of deborah logan mike deborah logan <laughs> and she's catatonic oh a lot yeah well i mean that was that one time nothing is scarier to me than like and horror movies do this a lot where somebody's like catatonic and then you cut away from them and you cut back and they're just gone yeah and you're just like what not enough time for them to have come to and wandered off uh no i fully hate that shit that is a hundred percent happened to me and i hated it yeah. But also, <laughs> you get used to it. You're like, God, where'd you go? And then they're just standing somewhere else catatonic again. Yeah. Well, Mikey, if you'd stop, like, just losing focus for a minute at a time, that wouldn't happen to you. I mean, maybe this wouldn't happen if you didn't treat people by screaming red light, green light. <laughs> or singing that little, like, song from Squid Games. From Squid Games. I love that Squid Games. Can't wait for season two. Anyway, she does see a pair of hands scratching at one of the doors. So she goes to open that door and see what's up. Yeah. And that's where she finds the old woman. Yeah. And she does kind of sit her outside so she can give her kind of like a sponge bath. And what she can't see that we as the audience can see are bloody like sheets and blankets hanging on the clothesline. I mean, I don't ask about feminine stuff like i just want to be respectful oh mikey this is you being respectful (laughs) (laughs) i honestly Paige, i thought it was piss and shit on those sheets because you also see it on her kimono you see like piss from her waist down yeah i mean you do see that she has soiled herself and it's on the there is that stain on the mat which i what did think was blood but it very much could be her soiling herself but the ones that are hanging are red. Absolutely. It could be. I have no idea. Yeah. So Rika cleans the house, which I feel like is not her job, but she does. The vacuum gets stuck on a piece of paper and it's a photograph, which, by the way, that balled up photograph is huge. Like it would have never fit in a vacuum. I don't know why she was trying to vacuum it up. She's a volunteer, <laughs> Paige. Yeah, I mean, she's literally here because she killed. Wait, what was it, Mikey? Yeah, head cannon. Yeah, yeah you can't. Everyone's like, oh, the vignettes don't make sense. Mikey's version makes even less sense. If you want to hear something that doesn't make sense, stay tuned for, for the, the Patreonicals. <laughs> it's her face cut out of the photo. That You know what I'm saying? 
because she was with the husband. It's not. It's Kiyako's face. It literally tells us in the movie. That reveal would have fucked me up, Mikey. I would have been like, what? <laughs> I would have been so mad because that would have made zero sense. <laughs> the real grudge is the friends we made along the way. <laughs> The real grudge was how much Paige hates us at the end of this episode. I knew I was going to be shit this episode, and like I didn't tell y'all, but like I knew it. Mikey, I, we knew it too. I, <laughs> I was like, man, all my jokes are real fucking dumb in this episode, and I have no insightful commentary. Mikey, don't go changing. We love it. Welcome to the podcast. Or do. I mean, it's up to you. I could change. Yeah. I was like, I like the American version better, and that's really all I had in the can ready to go for this. <laughs> And then you're like, let me get my red string and cork board. And let's make a crazy theory. If you look into the kid's reflection, she knows that that was the kid's babysitter. Boom. And they're all reptiles because the globalists. Like, yeah, that's, that's how you sound right that now. That goes without saying. Those ghost children aren't real. They're government actors. <laughs> That kid is a crisis actor under my table. Oh, no. My, Mikey, no. I'm not paying $50 million to that kid's family. <laughs> Screw that this. That ghost child's family. Well, the fucking water turning the fucking ghosts gay. <laughs> <laughs> I can't wait till those two other trials happen just to see how much money he loses. I can't wait. Oh. Well, he's going to prison, probably. Well, the January 6th committee already got his text and stuff. So, like, yeah, yeah. hopefully. All right. So, she... Pulls out the photo. She doesn't really understand what's on it. So she sets it on the coffee table. But the mother's face is ripped out. Yeah. Uh, She goes upstairs because she hears something moving. And she goes towards it and goes into a bedroom where there's like, like the closet is packing taped shut. Yeah. Which every time anyone tapes anything in this movie, I'm like, do you know how tape works? I don't think they do. Also, you know what's way better than packing tape for locking a child in a closet? Wood. Nails. (laughs) I was going to say duct tape. Chains. Both of those things, everything you guys just listed is way better. Yeah. Staples? Yeah. I don't think you could staple it. I mean, depending on the size. It's handcuffs. Mikey, this is a child, not some BDSM Massimo fantasy. Hey. First off, handcuffs were used to. <laughs> no, Paige, you perv. You said Massimo. I say how high. <laughs> Doesn't make any sense, but I love it. All I think about is the shirts from middle school that were blurry. <laughs> Massimo shirts. Yeah, that's all I think about. And those shirts make as much sense as that movie. He married Laurie Lofton. He did. Yeah, and then she went to jail. Yeah, she went to jail. Because she had an affair with this guy made him murder his family. Wait, what? The guy who started Massimo, like that brand, went on to marry the woman (laughs) from- Lori Laughlin. Yeah, Lori Laughlin. And then she went to jail for the college admission scandal. Mm -hmm. Right, right, right. And this is a full house because of the ghosts. Nailed it. Full circle. (laughs) Let's move on. I didn't realize you were talking about the shirt guy, and I was picturing the guy from 365 married to Lori Laughlin, and I was like, what did I miss? I mean, that's kind of a movie I want to see. Same. Lori Laughlin gets kidnapped for 365 slash probably more like two months. I think you mean I think you mean sentenced 
Tomasimo <laughs> for 365 days. It's, it's a Hallmark original movie that takes place in the giantest shower in the world. <laughs> you can't fake school, baby girl. There are a lot of women that I know in the Facebook group would be okay to be kidnapped for 365 days with that dude. Not me. I'd be kidnapped by that shower, though. Yeah, Hell it's worth yeah. it for the shower. Unless you have to clean it yourself. No, you're going to get someone from social services to come clean it because she hooked up with a family annihilator. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just that's just how it's going to work. She shot yeah. Massimo's father. <laughs> from space? <laughs> we got to move on. We're never going to finish this fucking episode. Uh, <laughs> we are spiraling out of control. It's all your fault. I, I know, I I'm sorry. People are like, they don't talk about the movie. I'm like, I'm the worst part of this podcast. <laughs> Disagree, Mikey. Anyway, so she goes upstairs where somebody has taken a million tiny pieces of tape to try and keep this closet shut. And I was like, you know, you could do long strips, right? Like, what are you that doing? That checks out, though. That's a real old lady move. <laughs> <laughs> What, locking a child in a closet? <laughs> with like with tiny tape. Okay. If Roald Dahl and most children's books are to believe, be believed, then yes, that is an old lady's <laughs> game. She's like, I left you a bowl of Werther's Originals and a bucket for piss. What do you want? <laughs> I love that Roald Dahl was just over here banging women to get the U.S. into the war, but that's like a whole different thing. Wait, what? I don't know anything about this, and we need to talk about it another time, so table that. Yeah, Roald Dahl was a, a British spy, and he like infiltrated like influencers of the day and was just like laying pipe to convince them that we needed to join the war. Those pipes go straight to the chocolate room. He kills the German kid first. He does. <laughs> I mean, that checks out. Anyway, so they she opens up the closet because she hears what sounds like a cat in the closet and opens it, and it's a little black cat. And it's very cute. It's also very haunted, but yeah, it is a cute cat. Yeah. She like wraps things up around her house, Russ. She just gives those gifts out. She just wraps whatever she can find. She's a sweet old lady. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and she like, so Rika looks around the room, and the room is teared up. Like the bed is ripped up. It looks like there's bugs all over. Like, it's real gross. Like It, it is gross. This house definitely necessitates a call for backup, 100%. Yeah. And she then turns back to the closet, and there's a child there. And at which point, instead of, like, here's the thing. If it was a real child, like, if I was in if a If there house, was a real naked child that looked yes! like a ghost in a closet... I'd be the I'd call whatever equivalent of I don't ever I'd call everybody. Yeah, I would definitely call everybody. But yeah. also like that child in this scene is not in ghost makeup. It just looks like a regular child that's hurt. And maybe it's just my weird instincts, but I would be like, Oh, come on out of there, honey. Like I'd be trying to oh, get the safe. child. I'd be like, it's safe now. Yeah. 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 yeah same. Like, come on out. And and then simultaneously be like, get nine one one on the phone right now. Just like <laughs> but like she doesn't check the child to make sure it's okay. Nothing. She just runs away and then calls and is like, yeah, I think the kid's still upstairs. It's like, what? She, she recognizes the kid. She probably was just like, I'm a fucking volunteer. I did not sign up for this. <laughs> it's not my fault that the guy I was banging killed his whole family. Like, this is nothing to do with me. I am oot. She would definitely not be volunteering at that house then because it's a conflict of interest. So you're saying she went to the wrong house on purpose? She never told anybody she was having the affair. <laughs> She's, it's because there's no affair. 
I, I can't. There is no affair. I just like egging Mikey the on. The movie shows you that she didn't tell anybody, Paige, because it doesn't tell anybody in the movie. She calls people in the sea. No, I mean about the affair. Oh, yeah, because it didn't happen. Anyway, <laughs> she goes to call, but like nobody shows up. And I think she doesn't finish that call, but she on the phone to someone is saying, and it might be a voicemail or something. She's like, you didn't say anything about a kid. The kid's still upstairs. Okay, I'll wait for you. Then she listens as the house phone rings and Hitomi calls. We've not met Hitomi yet. But Hitomi is the sister of the husband who was living in this house. Um, and the basically the voicemail is just like, hey, how's mom doing? Give me a call. I'm worried because I haven't heard from you. And Rika just lets this go to voicemail. The kid is looking at her through the banister. So she kind of goes back upstairs and is like, what's your name? And he says, Toshio, in like the creepiest voice yeah. ever. It's terrifying. And she hears Sachi, the old woman, talking downstairs. And so she goes downstairs to check on her. And Sachi's saying, I told her. I told Kazumi. I told her again and again. And she's trying to get her to lie down and calm down. And she just says, Not me. I'd be like, I gotta get the fuck out of here. I know. some other people over here. Well, she says, please stop tormenting me. And then she kind of like gasps and death rattles and a black ghost thing bends over her. And the social worker, Rika, passes out as Toshio watches this whole thing happen. Yeah. So we cut to the next vignette, same house. It's a flashback. And this is where Sachi, the old woman's son and wife, are living in this house. And they get up in the morning and... The husband is kind of cleaning up like a trail of like candy wrappers and stuff. And he's like, mom sleeps late and it's kind of freaking me out. And his wife is like, well, she's up all night, like eating all these snacks. I think it's the kid. Maybe. I don't know. Or it's just mom up late. I I honestly don't know. They never really show us. So I'm not sure it really matters all that much. Yeah. I mean, unless it involves the affair. But... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah so you think it's the husband and rika mm-hmm. late night just eating all these chocolate. sweets yeah off each other's bodies honey eat chocolate off my my belly button off your belly button mikey just has like a twix sticking out of his belly button you want left it's side so or right deep side? <laughs> you, want, you want left side or right side tonight baby oh, oh god both of them <laughs> She has to pick one. How many fingers do you... Wait, never mind. Never mind. I don't have a deep belly button. That leaves me out. I don't believe you. Anyway, moving on. Let me see it. Oh, wow. (laughs) He did let me see it. Wow. I was not expecting that. Honestly, I've seen deeper. I won't won't be blasphemed. I'm not a deep belly buttoner, okay? But I'm also not an Audi. It's a very normal looking belly button. Man, I got a belly button like the other... Like the abyss. Oh, God. Body shots are okay. You can't eat chocolate off somebody's belly button. Anyway... So we do get a shot of Sachi with a bunch of snacks around her. And the only reason I know this is because I have it in my notes because one of the snacks and I think they must be like chocolate puffs or maybe like squid ink puffs or something because they just looked like a like a bag of Cheetos puffs, but also a bag of cat turds like that's exactly what they looked like. It okay. was just like a litter box full okay. of cat turds. A litter box full of cat turds. Same shape, size, weight, 
I actually just recently found out that Buttercup likes to eat cat shit. So we're having to buy... Most dogs do. Yeah, we didn't have that problem when it was Pupcake and Schnooka. We have litter boxes that are easy for the cats to get into, but also easy for a dog to get into. So we're having to replace those because we caught her with a piece of cat shit in her mouth like she was fucking Triumph the Insult comic dog and that was her cigar. (laughs) And I was so grossed out by it. That I immediately went to Amazon and bought different litter boxes. It was a very great visual thing. Yeah, you're welcome. It was not a great visual to actually witness. You know who doesn't like eating cat shit? Cats. It's kind of the great thing about having cats. Yeah. Never have to encounter that problem. Yeah. Anyway, so he is leaving for work that morning and his wife is like, hey, remember your sister's coming over later. I'll take care of your mom for the day. But like we got to find a way to make her nicer to me or something because we're not really getting along. Yeah. So we cut to later that day. She has fallen asleep on the couch and she hears footsteps and then looks and sees that Sachi is awake. I think it was the little boy's footsteps because there's no way Sachi's running that fast. Um, But she basically says like, hey, if you need anything or want something, just tell me. And as she's kind of saying that to her, one of the doors upstairs opens and closes. And Mm. she's like, what? And then looks at the door nearest her and there's tiny like handprints on it. Like Macy. Macy has hands. Wait, what? She has little paw prints everywhere. Okay. Is Macy a ghost? I think so. A demon, maybe. She climbed on top of the air conditioner. Outside or inside? Outside and broke it. I have to call the AC company. <laughs> Wait, she broke your air conditioner? I don't want to talk about it. I think it. your dog is legit crying out for better supervision. <laughs> dog just <laughs> destroys everything. Like a big grudge. It's a big grudge in my ass. Anyway, uh, so <laughs> she goes upstairs to kind of check around and she sees a cat on the stairs, which as someone who owns a cat, if suddenly there was a different cat in my house, I'd be like, what the fuck is happening? Like no one in this movie seems to question finding a cat in their house. I would have a lot of questions. Yeah. And I already have a lot of cats in my house. So I am like on guard if she's trying to sneak in new ones. Right. You gotta, we gotta watch for that. I do watch for that. Like they should be alarmed <laughs> that there is a strange cat in their house. Ha- a very cute cat. Yeah. Oh, he's adorable, but yeah. Cute little Black Kitty Baby, but like... <laughs> Isn't that a Dave Matthews Band song? Black Kitty Baby. Something like that. <laughs> Whoa, Black Kitty Baby, baby. <laughs> <laughs> that is not Dave Matthews. Black Kitty on the stairs, ghosty babe. Um, <laughs> so then she sees the ki- like the kid grabbing the cat and like running through the stairs, and she basically follows it up into one of the rooms upstairs, and she hears what she thinks is the cat meowing loudly, but it is definitely the kid meowing. It is. And we see the kid kid's eyes and its creepy mouth i hated it and so we cut to later kazumi is is the wife that's upstairs right her husband comes home and he's like hey is my sister here nobody is answering the wife seems to be nowhere his mom is just sitting there the place looks like it's been tossed like they've been robbed so he goes upstairs and he's searching all the rooms he finds kazumi and she's clearly dying like die imminently dying yeah And so he goes to call an ambulance and the kid is walking behind him and he can like hear and sense that the kid is there. But every time he goes to look for him, the kid moves. But this is kind of a cool effect of like everywhere he looks is like the kid's not there, but the kid is there. Yeah. Again, just turn the lights down a bit and it would have been perfect. 
So we hear the cat meow, then the kid meow, and he just says to the kid, what are you doing here? And then Kazumi dies and has the, like, the same thing that we saw in Ringu with the hilarious death face. They're like, yeah, and you're just like, wow, okay. Dramatic much? Well, she (laughs) dies. And then he goes kind of catatonic and evil. And it's it's really because you like watch his face change, which is kind of crazy. But yeah. he in, he's like instantly evil. While that's happening, Hitomi comes home downstairs and sets up in the kitchen. She's going to start making dinner. And she's just like, what has happened in this house? Like something's not OK. She goes to say hi to her mom. She's still catatonic. And she goes to unpack the food. Meanwhile, upstairs, her brother is carrying Kazumi's body into their bedroom and shutting the door. Yeah. And she kind of walks towards the stairs because she heard him up there. And he's like freaking out on the stairs. Like he's sitting there and kind of twitching and whatever. I mean, his wife just died. Yeah. and But also I think he's mildly possessed by the house. Oh, I think it is that too. Yeah. So he escorts her out of the house very quickly and is just like, this isn't a good time. Like, you know, we'll talk another time. Don't worry about it. But this is where under his breath he's saying... She had another man. She deceived me. That's not my child. And Hitomi's like, what the fuck are you talking about? Because they don't have a kid. Right. But he is, I think, overcome with the spirit of the family annihilator guy, right? Right. Exactly. So he sends her out into the rain. Now, this is something that this movie does. I don't remember the American one doing it. But every time somebody gets kind of possessed, you hear like a tinnitus ring, like just a like. Yeah, it's like a high-pitched sound. Slowly building, yeah. high-pitched ring. Yeah. I honestly don't remember if the remake with Sarah Michelle Gellar did that or not. Yeah, uh, but so you hear that, and then you see him tilt his head and, like, crack his neck. Yeah. And you're just like, ugh. I don't know, man. That feels good sometimes. I know, It really does. I was just like, finally some relief. <laughs> so he goes upstairs, and Kayako's ghost appears in the window. Yeah. And it's clear that shit's about to go down at this house tonight. So we cut to... Hitomi. And it seems like it's the next day where she's kind of calling them and is like, is everything okay? And it's the recorded message that we heard earlier when Rika was at the house. So we know that this is happening basically that same day. So Hitomi goes downstairs. She's walking down a hallway alone and she kind of hears scratching and moving but doesn't see anything. She kind of like runs the rest of the way to the restroom and she sees footsteps in front of her door and kind of shuffling but gets distracted because she answers her phone and it's Katsuya, her brother. And all she hears on the other end is the like death breathing, the Oh, that death rattle sound freaks me out. I didn't see the original grudge. I didn't see the remake grudge when they were out, either of them. But I remember my friends doing that to me, like late at night, like at sleepovers or like like when we were like camping out or whatever. And I fucking hated that sound. It scares the shit out of me still. So she hangs up and there's a pounding on the, the door of the stall. And she's like, sorry, I just hang up, uh, hung up. I'll be out in a second. But she hears kind of more of that breathing and she sees a little tiny teddy bear get thrown out from under one of the stalls yeah and as she walks near it the door to the stall opens and i know it's definitely supposed to be kayako like peeking out but it's fully a wig on a stick just like (laughs) at an impossible (laughs) angle and again i just respect any feminine type thing that's going on in the bathroom anything that's happening like i don't want to like disrespect anybody you know we put our wigs on sticks Always. (laughs) Always. <laughs> anyway, so she runs up to security in that building and he's like the fifth floor ladies bathroom. OK, I'll go take a look. And she watches on closed circuit TV as he goes to check it out. And as he's walking near the bathroom, a death cloud comes 
out and then she turns back and he's just gone just yeah. disappeared yeah so she runs for the elevator someone tries to get in with her but the door is closed and then as she passes every single floor the little kid is on every floor waiting to get on the elevator yeah it's a very cool creepy effect it is very creepy i hated it she never lets him on the elevator no nope. honestly letting a kid on an elevator is the worst if i ever see one, i try and like kick it off yeah. because the first thing they're gonna do is like light up that number board like a christmas tree yeah <laughs> it's gonna take you forever to get where you're going i mean kids can't ride elevators they're not old enough so whatever you must be at least this tall to ride elevator. Yeah. <laughs> it's not the Tower of Terror, Mikey. If I saw a kid ghost, I would just be like, fuck you, kid ghost. <laughs> I do like that Mikey in the face of kid ghost and death is just like giving it the bird, telling it to fuck off. I love it. I'm going to go out how I live. Like making very bad Like an decisions. idiot. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely, Mikey. Yeah. So she runs. She goes into her apartment. And which at this point, I realized it was the same building. And I was like, get out of that building. Like, what are you doing? Like, the whole building is a problem. Just like run. Yeah. So she gets into her apartment. And I noticed something interesting about her fridge. It has three compartments. What's the third one for? I know. What is the third one for? Ghost page. It's for ghosts. <laughs> I was 100% sure Mikey was going to be like, that's the one you have sex with. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know what the extra fridge compartment is for. Drinks, maybe? Anyway, she notices that her keychain is gone, that she like lost it as she was running out of the bathroom, and the phone rings. And I don't know why this made me laugh so hard, but so she picks up the phone, and it's her brother, and he's like, what apartment number are you? And I was like, your brother doesn't know what apartment you're in? Like, I think this might be a ghost. <laughs> like, I mean, I could sort of get that, like, if they didn't live in the same city. But, but like, they clearly they do. do. Yeah. Like, everyone in this movie lives close to the haunted house. Like, because yeah. we see them, like, walking there and running there and stuff. Like, so he has to have been there before. I don't know. I thought that was a crazy question to ask, too. So literally no sooner has she told him the number that he's at the door knocking way yeah. too quickly. Because he lives super close. So he's there too fast. So it's clearly a ghost. But so she opens the door and she's like, thank God you're here. And he's immediately like, uh, I hate that sound. Uh, she just throws the phone outside and closes the door. That's how you do it. And at this point, I was like, bitch, run. Get out of the building. Like, what are we doing? No one runs in this movie. No they just like, runs. they get scared. They just sit down. Oh, I would have yeah. fucking bolted. I would have been gone. Well, she instead turns on the TV and climbs into bed. And we see, and this is something, Ringu kind of did this too with the photos that would get distorted. So like the TV kind of gets distorted and she's freaking out. She finds the little teddy bear in her bed, which again, run. Uh, and then she realizes that there's something under the covers and she lifts them up and it's a ghost under the covers. But then she and See, the ghost disappear. I would have had my Rorschach moment if a g woman ghost appeared under my covers. I've been like, you're trapped in here with you're me. With me. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to remind everyone that Mikey is single, ladies, and honestly, ladies, looking to trap ladies. someone under the sheets with him. Fapparitions, if Fap you will. Fapparitions, hell yeah, dude, I love it. I'll be like, what's that clicky mouth do? <laughs> it's this. Yo, you want to try out that death rattle on me? <laughs> I'm sure that sounded real gross. <laughs> I'm going to tell, tell you what I love about this ghost. One, her mouth stay wide. Two, intense, <laughs> intense eye contact. Uh, <laughs> dude, 
eye contact is the best. Mm-hmm. She doesn't even blink because she's dead, which is better. But then one of the eyes like rolls out, just like. Oh, I don't want to be a dead body. I want to be a ghost. I don't want a zombie. You don't get to pick. <laughs> what if it was Deborah Logan? She got that wide ass mouth. That's gonna make me feel small. Unhinged like a snake. <laughs> yeah, if she can unhinge her jaw, I'm out. I'll be like, you're not gonna need all that, honey. <laughs> Go ahead and hinge it back up if you don't mind. I'm just saying you don't need to unhinge your jaw. I have a regular sized penis, like a normal person. <laughs> I think vitamin water begs to differ. Yeah. <laughs> oh, at my high school reunion, someone asked to see the picture. And I had to show them. Oh, <laughs> was it that girl you took a picture with who I was like, yo, you guys look good together. We were all standing around. One of them asked. I forgot who it was, but I, I, I pulled it up. Because they had already listened or because you brought it up? They listened. <laughs> what, was that weird when like you go to your high school reunion and they're like, hey, Ben Kissel, I love your podcast. <laughs> well, not with me. They don't fanboy. Tell me like, more about over me. Job the Game. I don't know what that is. <laughs> That you spent half of last week's episode talking about fucking Rimworld or whatever. Okay, yeah. I didn't talk about that at the reunion because because there were girls there that you had yes. once tried to sleep with. <laughs> no, I mean, I get it. <laughs> anyway, so we cut to the next vignette, and it's Rika's co-worker who initially sent her to the house, and he shows up to the house like, yo, where's that girl go that disappeared after I sent her here? <laughs> Hey, where'd that girl go that I got killed or whatever? Like, Yeah, good thing I'm back from my beach party, and now it's time to see which bodies are here. Uh, so <laughs> Rika's like catatonic in the corner. I love this reveal, though, because it reveals the old lady who has died, and he like right. sits down like, oh my God, what the fuck happened here? And she does have the peekaboo eyes. Oh, yeah, she does. But then he like almost backs up into Rika, who is like in the corner, sort of catatonic-ish. Right. And he just turns around. He's like, you're the worst volunteer I've ever had. (laughs) You would have to assume that Rika is going to go to jail again for murder, right? Because Mm -hmm. the old lady is dead and she is still in the house. Yeah. Well, Well, here's here's the thing. I think she probably wouldn't because the lady's so old and anything could have happened. But also. That's fair. He, the coworker, immediately calls this in as a crime scene. Yeah. And I think in part, part of it's because Rika told them there was a kid. And so they're like looking for the kid. Yeah. And everything. So they call the son, Katsuya, to basically see if if they can get answers about like where he is, what's going on. And the phone rings in the house. So the police find the phone up in the attic where they find uh, Kasumi and Katsuya dead in the attic yeah with the phone so they're like okay this is definitely a murder scene now (laughs) like what happened so we cut to rika in the hospital and her friend is there with her and she's just like yeah i don't know what happened it was really strange but there was a kid there and a detective shows up and he's like so this is the first time you've been to the house and she's like yeah and he's like so that kid you saw like what was his name can you describe him and she does and he's like well that's kind of weird because they didn't have any kids And he shows her the photo and she's like, yeah, that's the kid. And he's like, this isn't the couple that lives there. We got to figure out who this fucking kid is. And this kid that they've kind of now traced would be 11. Like he'd be way older, essentially. So we cut to him and the other detectives, basically with everyone who's lived in the house spread out across a table to be like, okay. Yeah. So everyone who's lived in this house has mysteriously died or disappeared. We can't find this guy's sister. We found their two dead bodies. No one knows why they're seeing a kid around. The kid belongs to the first family. But this is my favorite part of the movie because then the, the boss cop is like, it's almost like this house. 
holds a grudge. Yeah! yeah! Killing it today. <laughs> they go back to the very first one where the wife Kiyako was mi- was murdered, and then they found the husband dead on the road later on. Would you say run over next to a cat? No, I would not. Uh, and then Toshio is missing, um, and it's their family photo. Uh, but Kiyako, the wife, her body was found in the attic, just like the other bodies. Which we'll find out later that that's where Kiyako like drags people, essentially. Yeah, and I guess just kills them there right right so the detectives are like okay we need to talk to people from the original case so we cut to izumi a young girl playing the recorder and her dad comes home on a bike and we will find out because the detectives roll up her dad was one of the detectives on the original case yeah and it caused him to leave the police force entirely and I think it's because he saw some shit. Yeah, I mean, it definitely is. Like, he yeah. clearly is, like, shell-shocked or whatever the version of that would be. Like, he quit the force to get away from it. He's like, our white gloves didn't prepare us for this. Yeah, they do wear white gloves. <laughs> they also wear those armbands. <laughs> yeah, they look like the Boy Scouts. <laughs> I mean, but think about it. They're always prepared for a crime scene because they're already wearing gloves. Yeah, or to commit a crime page. Whatevs. Anyway, so he sends his daughter Izumi in with her mom and he goes with them to basically watch some of the footage that they have from Hitomi's apartment building. Meanwhile, they go and ask Rika again, is this the boy you saw? Because he's five in this picture, but he'd be 11, but he's been missing for five years. So like you would not have seen him. Right. Which we know why, obviously, because he was murdered, but right. I felt bad for the cop. I was like, oh, this is embarrassing because five plus five is 10, dog. I know. Not 11. <laughs> That's some Mikey level math right there. <laughs> it could have been like a little change, you know, five and some change. Yeah. Anyway, and it looked like the morgue or somewhere in the hospital, uh, one of the detectives goes to wash his hands and sees a dead body under the sink. And it's the social worker. It's Rika's co-worker. Yeah. Uh, because he has also been in that house. Mm-hmm. So... Uh, we cut to the detectives, both for the current case and the previous case, watching the hallway video of the bathroom. And because they find out that that guy is dead, the social worker, the two current detectives leave and they leave the previous detective alone with that video. Mistake. Mistake. He watches as a dark cloud figure basically pulls the security guard in and then walks down the hallway. Then it takes over the screen and it looks like the screen has gone black, but... There's eyes in the middle of it and radio static. Very freaky. Freaky. So meanwhile, Rika is asleep in her own house. She seems to have gone home from the hospital at this point. She wakes up and the kid is staring at her on the bed. And then Kayako is floating above her. Double ghosts. Not good. And also a cat. At no point is she just like, where are these cats coming from? Like, nobody questions the cats. She knows. Anyway. Yeah, she knows where they're coming from. So the, mm-hmm. the detective from the original case shows up to the house with gasoline. And I was like, hell yeah, man. I love that part. I was like, this man came with a plan and I respect it. The only problem is he didn't light it immediately when, he's, when he got there. Right, because the house plays games with you. And so the house basically shows him the future of his wife and daughter without him. Yeah. Uh, pro tip. If you're going to burn a place down that's haunted, there's a thing called a Molotov cocktail where you can light it and throw it from the street. Yeah. And you can keep throwing it from the street and you're not have to go into that haunted house. That's a better plan. 
There's also a thing called outside, just in general. You could light a house on fire from outside. Yeah. I think that's what Mikey's saying, more or less. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, he watches as his daughter is a teenager and running away from a group of her friends who have decided to visit the house because they heard it was haunted. Why would you do that ever? This is like a thing in so many horror movies. They like go to the haunted house and not like a haunted house. That's like a production that people are like selling tickets to like the murder house. Like I would never go to that. I did. I did that. Well, you have to go with the cops, Mikey. No, I mean like as a kid. Oh, that's real dumb. I mean, I've been to the Winchester Mystery House. Ugh, I'm out. I just never want to do anything like that. They're like, this place is haunted. Let's go inside. And I was like, <laughs> this place oh. is haunted, but also has lots of stairs. <laughs> and everything is in multiples of 13. Yeah, that lady was crazy. <laughs> yeah, she was fucking nuts. So he's hearing his wife and his daughter's voices. And so he goes upstairs. He kind of like follows through the house, even though he is seeing like he's seeing hallucinations, essentially. Yeah. And he's snapped back to reality. Oh, there goes gravity. (laughs) (laughs) He's like, is that mom's spaghetti on the floor? (laughs) Uh, And he sees Kayako like crab walking towards him and like. This one really got me because she's like crab walk, crab walk, and then just like shifts her head to look at him. And you're just like, "Ah!" I hated it so much. It's so freaky. And this kind of stuff normally doesn't get me that badly. Like jump scares are what gets me. But this got me. I'm with you, Todd. Usually when I meet a woman and she's a contortionist, it's celebration time. Well, this contortionist has blood on her face, so I'm out. And again, yeah. I respect the feminine process and everything that happens. And, <laughs> like, you know, women are beautiful. <laughs> I'm going to deliberately bleed on something at your house someday just for vengeance. Do you think you're the first? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Anyway, this gets me. Contortionists creep me out. So she's contortioning and freaking out. And the other two detectives arrive on the scene. And he's gone like full crazy. Like he is out to lunch. And they also see her crab walking down the stairs. And so everyone's like, oh, my God. And he takes off. We cut to the next vignette, which is Izumi, his daughter, but something like five, six years in the future because she's now a teenager. Yeah. And she's meeting up with her school friends. And we do see her pass like a missing poster for the friends that we just saw her lose in the house. So she gets to school and it, it seemed like this was like a end of the year yearbooky kind of thing where they were all looking for pictures of themselves on the wall and they can't find any of her. And so the teacher says, well, I'll check my negatives and and I'll find some and give them to you. So she runs home. um, And as she does... For you at home who are younger, that's how photos were made back then. (laughs) Yeah, negatives. Um, So she runs home and we do hear over the radio that a woman's body has been found. It's Rika and she's missing. So we kind of find out what happens to Rika at some point. So Izumi comes home, looks out the window, closes the curtains, and she's like freaking out. So we cut to a couple days later where her teacher has the photos that he's printed from the negatives and her friends take them and they're like, hey, we're going to go to her house. We'll drop them off. We'll bring them back to you. So they go to her house and her mom opens the door and she's very clearly haunted AF. Like 
that mom is not doing well. Absolutely, she is haunted. She even has like a ghostly look about her. Yeah. She's like very disheveled. She's either haunted or going through some shit. Haunted moms are my type. <laughs> They're your sweet spot. Hey, baby, you want an exorcism? How about a sexorcism? <laughs> I'm a sexercise that P word. That's what Mikey would say. I can't believe Rika did that to your family. <laughs> did Rika sleep with everyone's family in your mind? Is that like what's happening here? Look, I don't judge. I respect the feminine process. Oh, my God. I can't. So they get to Azumi's room and she has like tiny pieces of packing taped over all the windows. It's again with the weird tape process. And more than hard, hard candy. Yeah. Real old She's lady. She's watching shit. the Weather Channel. Yeah. Yeah. She's calling soap operas her stories and ordering shit off QVC like. These pillows are great for your hips. Yeah. So the friends are like, hey, seems like things are not good. Like, what is going on? And she confides in them that she was there the night the other girls disappeared because they went to the house and she left. And we kind of find out a little bit later it's because she saw essentially the ghost of her father in that house. So, yeah, they leave. I don't think he made it. He did not make it. They leave, and as they're leaving, her mom says, that's what my husband was like before he died, and I never told her about it. Yeah. So, like, the mom maybe kind of knows what's going on, or is just haunted AF and is being spooky. I think she recognizes the signs, at least. Yeah. So, they're leaving the house. They look through all the photos they had of her, and in all of them, her eyes are blacked out, as are the eyes of all of the other teen girls that were with her that night. Yeah, that whole like teen girl squad that died, like all of their yeah. eyes are blacked out. And then she who escaped that night, her eyes are blacked out because she's next. Yeah, it's cheerleader, the ugly one. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm, yeah. Mm-hmm. So they throw the photos down and run. Azumi comes out into the living room and this is where she sees essentially the ghost of her father. And she says, I saw you at the house that night. Yeah. And she wakes up and it's a dream, uh, but she sits up and some of the newspaper has been ripped down from her window. And as she goes to examine it, the ghost girl faces look at her and they're the, the girls that were there that night. So they show up in the house. That part scared the shit out of me, man. I'm, this shouldn't have made me laugh, but like she props a bunch of furniture up against a sliding door. I know. And I laughed at that too, Paige, but I think she was just trying to get the cane and the other thing that was like a, like a pole to like prop up against it. I think that that was just moved to get to that area. No. Yeah. I mean, she's just the worst barricader. <laughs> Because it literally takes them two seconds. It's like, I'm just going to step over this. And you can tell because the ghost girls give her like a look of disappointment, almost bullying, if you will. When they open the door, they're like, oh, what? Yeah. <laughs> and so they show up in the room. She backs against the altar for her father. And out of the altar comes one of the other teen girls who grabs her from the side of the head and pulls her in. Yes. And then the altar then reflects both her and her father's faces. Yeah. What a terrible day to choose to wear her altar top. We'll see you next week, guys. Uh... <laughs> I respect the male process of making bad jokes and just letting them flow out of you. I realize that you can't help it and that it's just a natural process of being a dude. Anyway, so 
we cut to another vignette with Rika and she's at her job again where she's it seems like she works at like a nursing home now and this is where we see the old man making faces at someone but there's nobody there and so she takes him out for like a little walk and he still continues to make faces and there's like no one there no one there and then as she goes to wheel him back into the old folks home the glass door has a reflection of the little boy ghost next to the old man. Man, that was so freaky. So freaky. Yeah. So we cut to, she goes home and showers. This is where she feels the hand on the back of her head. Yeah. And she goes out to meet her friend Mariko. And they're just kind of talking about, you know, what are you doing Sunday? Do you want to go to this concert? They go to a restaurant and she feels what feels like a cat run past her leg. And so she kind of looks under the table and it's the kid the kid, Toshio, is under the table. The thing is, you see like a little cat figure run out from under yeah. the table. And then she's like, what the fuck? And she looks under it. And that scared the... Really? Yeah, it scared me. That, I hated that one kind of got me too. Yeah. It's the jump scares that get me. I mean, I'm like, uh, this is an adult restaurant. You need to get your kids <laughs> under control. <laughs> Holy okay? shit. Do they make adult restaurants? Yeah, they're called expensive restaurants. Oh, yes. I wish I had the money to do that. That was a cloth tablecloth. Okay. Yeah. So as this is happening, her friend was talking about like, yeah, I'm a teacher. I'm supposed to be doing home visits. This one kid hasn't showed up to class and his parents aren't answering any phone calls or anything. So I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm going to have to figure it out. So Rika freaks the fuck out. Well, and He's never shown up to class, right? Never. Because this is not like in the past, right? She didn't like walk into no. a portal to the past. Nope. Like she's never met this kid, never seen this kid. She's just going because she's on his class roster or whatever. Right. Okay. Right. I just make it sure I didn't miss something uh, in one of the vignettes. Yeah. So okay. essentially, this is the ghost house signing up a kid for school to lure people to the house. Yeah, I that's think. what I thought too. Yeah. Yeah. I was a little confused though because like all these houses look alike. So I was they like, do. which one of these is the haunted house or not? Like, I did have trouble with that. So racist. Well, they filmed most <laughs> of it in. They filmed most of it in that one location. I mean, that makes sense. Just in other parts of it. Yeah. Because it is a freestanding house. It's not a set. Yeah. What's your favorite vignette? Because I had a salad earlier and I really love raspberry vinegar. That's vinaigrette, Mikey. You are way off. I really like Chipotle's vinaigrette. And I know that's a weird <laughs> answer, but I really like it. I don't really okay. like vinaigrettes. Yeah, you don't like food. I get it. Yeah. yeah. No, I mean, when I eat a salad, I want to have something that's like. You're like, no dressing on my salad. I'm watching my figure. No, I, I cannot eat a dry salad. Gross. Hot. Think about eating lettuce dry, just chewing it up. I can't. No. I mean, I'm like a Caesar dressing kind of guy. Like, I, I go for the dressings that, like, have the most calories in it. Blue cheese? Blue cheese is great. Blue cheese, ranch, Caesar, all those okay. high-calorie dressings are, like, where it's at for me. I'm a big blue cheese guy. All right, sorry. I didn't mean to get us off track. I just wanted to make a raspberry vignette joke. Anyway, in this raspberry vignette, she goes to bed. And she hears a cat and then she hears multiple cats and she wakes up and her room is full of cats and clearly at least one dog. <laughs> and we all would assume that those cats are like fucking, right? No. Why would we assume that? That's the sound they make. That is the sound they're making. Oh, man. I, maybe I've just never watched cat porn, so I don't know what sound they you make. You don't have to watch. You can hear it for blocks away. So if you live in a place that has a lot of stray cats, yes, you can hear it. I, my neighborhood has a very aggressive TNR program, so I do not regularly hear it in the wild anymore. Uh, but it's very much that sound. They're like, oh. 
They're very annoyingly loud. They're like y'all at Chewy's. Paige and I? No, you and Natalie at Chewy's. Oh, uh, I mean, honestly, Mikey, I have no memory of making out with Natalie at that Chewy's. I think that that was uh, something you made up. I don't think so. And I know that that waiter will never forget it. <laughs> it was his 9-11. Sometimes because our upstairs neighbors are super loud and they have children and they ha- they let those children play basketball in the house at like two in the morning sometimes. I am particularly on purpose loud during sex to make them uncomfortable. I love the pettiness of that. Because they're children. (laughs) Yeah. I was like, try explaining this shit. I respect the feminine process. (laughs) Fuck you. (laughs) You know nothing about the feminine process. You know nothing, John, alone. (laughs) Anyway, her room is full of pussy. So she wakes up. The phone rings and it's her friend, Mariko, who's basically like, hey, I'm doing that home visit for that kid and nobody's here. And I've been here for like an hour. And Rika realizes, oh, my God, it's that house. And she hears the like through the phone. And she's like, I got to get there. So she runs over to the house um, and there's still police tape on it. Which, you know what? Like, we got to do something about catcalling. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, women should be able to Go down the street without having to worry about it and sit in their own homes without having to worry about this cat call. I can't even walk across my living room without McCready being like, <laughs> I'm sure I'm sure Jake is actually furious with me right now because I've been making cat sex noises with our cat who could probably hear it and be like, who the fuck's in there? What's going on? Who's fucking in our apartment? Yeah, dad, there's like people fucking in, in, in your room. Right? So... She gets to the house and there's still police tape on it, which I thought was weird because as a teacher, you wouldn't cross the police tape to go into the house. You were if you were the cool teacher. (laughs) Not only do I cross police tape, I flip chairs backwards. It's time to rap about the Lord. Uh, So I think the house shows itself to you however it wants to be to lure you in. And so I think the house to her appeared without tape on it. Right, like Tinder. (laughs) So wait, are you trying to say that the house like will look differently to different people? I think it must. Like that's the only way it kind Hmm. of makes sense to me is that the house is trying to spread the curse to as many people as it can, I think. And so... It seems to show people what they want to see to make them stay there. Like the detective where he's seeing his daughter and things. So I think the house Mm. has some sort of dissociative property to it. The house would just appear to us as a Texas Day Brazil. Right. It would just float (laughs) on the clouds. (laughs) Who let this cat is this Texas Day Brazil? (laughs) Is it on the menu? Um Rika gets into the house just in time to see Mariko get like dragged upstairs up into the attic through the closet. Yeah. Like all you see is like feet wiggling. It's like a a very animated Wizard of Oz with like the Wicked Witch of the West's feet under the house or whatever. It looks like that. Right. Yeah. Follow the yellow ghost road. Uh, So (laughs) she gets pulled up and Rika like gets up there with a flashlight and sees bloody crab walking lady and is just like, bye friend. I'm out. (laughs) (laughs) you're on your own (laughs) no not gonna mess with all that i definitely wouldn't look up in the roof or attic or whatever here's another possibility mariko never went to the house it's an apparition it's just trying to get her back it's trying to get rika back that makes sense okay so rika runs downstairs 
And as she runs past the mirror, she sees Kayako in the mirror. So she then does the peekaboo hands in the mirror and can suddenly see like all of the apparitions, including Kayako like breaks out of her chest at one point. Yeah. It's wild. Uh, But she hears movement upstairs. The door opens and we watch as Kayako crab walks down the stairs covered in blood, reaching for her. And it is freaky. I hate it so much. And we talked about this, I think, during the Hashtag Alive episode. Like, Asian horror movies do creepy body movements so well. Like, so so well. Oh, and this is like it to a T. Like, it's so creepy. Yes. Uh, So she crab walks literally up on her. uh, And so she closes her eyes. And when she opens them, Kayako's gone. But the husband is there walking down the stairs covered in blood. Yeah. We get flashbacks to Kayako's death as Toshio, the little boy, watches from upstairs. We flash back to present as Rika yells, no, no. The implication being that she is then murdered. Yeah. And now we see missing posters for her as well as the town around seems deserted. We cut to Kayako serving Laura Palmer realness wrapped in plastic, (laughs) and we push in on her until we're right up on her face and her eyes open. And then death rattle. Uh, Oh, I hate it! And that's that's the the movie! So having seen the movie, having talked about the movie, what do you guys think about Juwan the Grudge? You just should not make a man murder his family, but and like, oh no, no. <laughs> I do think Mikey is one of those people that, like, when he like makes up a bit, he gets so deep in the bit, he thinks the bit's reality. <laughs> the house is just showing him that bit to yeah, make him think the, yeah, yeah. he's on a podcast. <laughs> yes, people think you're funny. Wink, wink, wink. wink. <laughs> I enjoyed it. It could definitely benefit from darker lights and a bigger budget. Yeah. But I do really like the story of it. Like, I, I would really like to see this story done with 2004 bigger budget effects. Does yeah. that make sense? Well, I've got the movie for you. It's called, it's called the grudge. The grudge. <laughs> no, I, I mean like I, I mean like nonlinear timeline, extra characters, whole nine. Like not the Sarah Michelle Geller version. So oh. Paige, the remade remake mm-hmm. of the grudge that you were talking about earlier, that came out in twenty twenty. Did it? That yeah. means it was probably bad because people didn't talk about it much. They did talk about it. They said it was bad. But we have a third version of this movie to do. It got mixed reviews. It didn't make money in the theaters. It made almost $50 million. And that was during pandemic. So that's not bad, honestly. Was Bill Pullman in it again? Yeah, no. Bill Bill Pullman was not in it at all. No. But it did have some pretty big name people. Like Betty Gilpin was in it. John Cho. So like it had some pretty big name people. But it came out right in the middle of pandemic. So like I don't think a lot of people saw it. But it still made $49 million. It did all right. But anyway. a lot of money. Yeah. yeah, it did okay. I think it's important part of horror history, like I said. I would yeah. watch it before you watch any of the other grudges. I mean, I liked talking about it with y'all more than I liked watching it. I mean, I was pretty scared of this movie, although I think I would have been way more scared had I not watched the remake first because we watched that one years ago and I still remembered parts of it. So re-seeing those same scares from the 2004 version done worse here because of the budgetary stuff made it less scary for me, but I was still pretty scared by it. I don't ever want to watch it again. But Paige, do you have any fun facts for us? I do. 
Well, hit this with your fun facts. The Grudge, grudge fun, fun facts. facts. So Toshio, the little boy, his spirit is often heard meowing throughout the film. And yes. not only does this imply that his spirit merged with the deceased cat, whose name is Mar. We don't really hear the cat's name much, but that is the cat's name. I didn't realize the cat had a name. Cool. Yep. Uh, but it also relates to an old Japanese legend where spirits of lost children who are basically ghosts or ghosts with a grudge of vengeance become strays and as a result meow like cats oh wow okay interesting yeah i don't love that yeah uh the house for the film was actually a real house uh which was just rented for the duration of production and it became a tourist attraction following the film's popularity until it was demolished in 2019 Ooh. All right. Was it demolished because of all the murders that happened there or? No, I think it was just an old house. Okay. And somebody was redoing it. Fair enough. For the ghostly makeup, it was a two hour application process because it was full body. So oh, that wow. kid and that lady had to be in full body, two hour makeup every morning. That's nuts. Yeah. The ghosts of Kiyako and Toshio are based on the Japanese legend of the Onryo, which honestly is also present in Tale of Two Sisters. Yeah. And some people have also argued the ring as well. But it's essentially a vengeful spirit that unlike ghosts that we kind of have in Western culture, in the Onryo's case, it can physically manifest and attack and kill victims. Really? Yeah. Which is kind of a, a fun, an interesting distinction because in like Western society for us, ghosts can't really kill you. They can scare you but that's about all they can do yeah but the onrio can kill you and they are manifested when they are killed in a state of deep rage as explained by the opening of the film yeah okay so the actor who played toshio is terrified of cats um, really and yes and had to film with cats multiple times and it was like a huge to do to like try and accommodate his intense fear of cats but also with filming with cats Wild. Okay, that's super interesting that, I don't know, I've just never met someone yeah. who was like super terrified of cats. I, I know people who are allergic or don't like them, but I've never met someone who was terrified of them. That's interesting. My next door neighbor, her daughter, who I haven't seen in a while, so I don't think she still lives here, but she was terrified of cats. She was terrified of our cat. Okay. Uh, and then upstairs they had a cat, and then now there's like a cat across the way. And she would like, if she was coming outside and the cat was like near the door, she would like wide berth. Wow. And I think she must have been attacked by a cat or something. Okay. Oh, of course that would make someone terrified. Yeah, that makes sense. Okay. Yeah. So the reason Sam Raimi ends up as a producer on this film uh, is he actually helped acquire the rights for this film because he was a big fan of this one. And wanted to work on the new one. That's also, he's instrumental in getting the director to direct both. So he's part of the reason why the remake happens the way that it does. Okay. So, so one of the backstories that is thought to have inspired this movie, specifically one of the Onryo legends, is Oiwa, I believe is how it's pronounced. O-I-W-A. Uh, it's a story of a housewife who is disfigured and brutally murdered by her unfaithful husband. And she returns to haunt him and make him murder his new lover. And according to the legend, a curse accompanies her story. And those who retell it will suffer injuries and death. So you see aspects of this both in this Tale of Two Sisters, definitely. But then also Ringu, yeah. where the disfigured part of Sadako kind of plays into it as well. So it's a very common retelling around this time 
in these types of films. In Japanese folklore, black cats are considered good luck. Really? Yes, because in in Western uh, Western culture, it's the opposite. Yeah. Yeah. So the actors who played the original family, the one in the picture, reprised their roles as the Seiki family in the American remake. Oh, yeah. cool. Good for them. That's great. Yeah. Uh, Ozaki, Yuya Ozaki, who played uh, Toshiro, had to be recast for Grudge 2 because he had gotten noticeably older at that point. Oh. Yeah. He had to be put down because <laughs> of the cat. No, we we get it. So, on Rio, ghosts are often also related to spiders. And you'll notice this in this film because she's always crawling out of the attic or small dark spaces and also crawls on all of her legs like a spider down the stairs. She does. Specifically from dust, like dusty corners of the house. And uh, apparently the plastic at the end is supposed to be a trash bag. Um, okay. But they wanted to try and make it look like a spider bursting out of the cocoon of eggs. And to imply that she's impossible to avoid. There's no way to rid yourself of it because spiders are everywhere all the time. Um, Mm. And so there's also this implication that she has kind of a web of influence and it's impossible to escape that web once you have touched it. Okay. There you go. All right. And those are your fun facts. Well, think of those fun facts. Let's talk a little box office. Now, I did mention this before. I do not know what the budget was for Juwan in 2002 when they originally made it, but I did find some box office information. So I was able to find an estimated budget. Uh, that's not official. Where did you find it? IMDb. Okay. Yeah. I honestly don't look at IMDb because it's they, a lot of estimated stuff that you can't like. Yeah. Yeah. I can't verify. Did they say what it was? Yeah, estimated it says 3.5 million. I believe that though. Yeah, that sounds reasonable. Yeah. To be honest, for the time frame and for the way this looks. Yeah, that yeah. sounds reasonable. Um, if anything, I would say maybe less. Oh, I definitely don't think it's more than 3.5 million. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it would have looked better if it yeah. was. But do you guys want to guess how much it made in its theatrical release? Because I do have that information. Opening weekend or just full release full, let's just do full release because i don't have the breakdown i'm gonna say full release it made like six million Paige, you're gonna have to stop saying full release because when you say full release i hear something very different full release six million okay mikey do you have a guess four <laughs> i'm assuming you mean million no <laughs> all right you're saying the price is right model is what you're saying mm-hmm. <laughs> all right mm-hmm. well it made 500 million Yen, okay. which is roughly $3.7 million. Gotcha. Okay, okay. Right? Uh, and if you adjust for inflation, as you know, I am want to do, that would bring that uh, $3.7 million up to $6.1 million today. Okay. But so it didn't make a ton of money, but it made enough for uh, the U.S. to throw a bunch of money at a, an American remake. That made ass loads of money uh yeah and if you want to know i went over this when we talked about it uh, on the grudge episode which i think is episode 46 but the budget for that movie was 10 million dollars and it made a total of 187.2 million dollars worldwide so it made a ton of money which i mean it's a decent movie and it really did sort of set a tone for what I would call like the Asian influx into pop culture horror that happened at that time. Well, I mean, I would say The Ring probably did it first, but this definitely added to that. Yeah, the, the, the combination of these two yeah. you made a hunger for 
horror DVDs to come to America in the early yeah. aughts. But yeah. I but I think Paige is right. I mean, The Ring was 2002 and made a ton of money. So I bet studios here were looking for movies similar to The Ring that they could remake. And they were right to do that because this one also made a ton of money. So, well, that is your box office. So, Mikey, do you want to hit him with that scary scale? Yeah, scary scale listeners, how scary we found the film when we watched it today. Our one example is Ghostbusters, and our ten example is Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Paige! This is a two for me. Toddy. I'm going to, wait, first off, no, I don't love that. I would say it's a four, <laughs> but it would have been a lot higher if I hadn't seen the remake first. Four's high for I think four's high for you on this. Interesting. Oh, no, I was pretty freaked out by this movie, even though some of the scares I already knew were coming. Okay. I'm going to go give it a one. Big old one today for me, and that's our scary scale. All right. So this week, you guys made me watch Juwan the Grudge. What are you all making me watch next week? Uh, this week is actually listener request. Oh, that's right. Uh, and I actually put up that listener request a few days ago, and the vote's been going on for, since Friday, it looks like. Uh, so what is that, four days? The four movies that were made the final four list was Audition, Parasite, The Host, and The Wailing. And Audition won by quite a lot, actually. It beat Aww. its next competitor by 31 votes. I've never seen it. I heard. I hear it's very gory. It's largely a gore thing. I'm surprised. I've heard The Wailing is supposed to be extremely scary. Really? I've never seen The Wailing. I have seen Audition, and it, it's pretty gross. So your homework is to watch Audition from, I think it's 1999. Yeah. So that is the version we are doing, the 1999 Japanese horror film, Audition. So, Mikey, do you have a review for us to read? No. Well, while you're looking one up, let me tell them how they can have their review run on the podcast, and that is to leave us a five-star text review. And we'll let Mikey read it for you. So, Mikey, whose review are you going to read this week, you big stud? You talked a little fast there. It's okay. You're giving me notes, but you forgot that every episode you read a review. You're coming in a little hot. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. I'm going to read SSY, oh boy, uh, SSYS Keels, SSYS Keels. Okay, well, what does SSY Keels have to say? I've not read this review, but the title is Load Your Weapons, comma, Page. Oh, no. <laughs> All right, okay. Don't love this. Whenever my friends and I are face palming over people being idiots in movies, we say, Load Your Weapons, Page, in anticipation <laughs> of how Page will annihilate them in a forthcoming episode of oh, HVRTP. Okay. Yeah, that's an appropriate way to that's, use that there phrase. We go. Yeah, I like that. I'll, I'll, I'll critique it. I mean, if that was your catchphrase, I would say, Yeah, Load Your Weapons, Page. I honestly want to see a t shirt design. It, it initially sounded like a bit of a threat. <laughs> <laughs> you never fail to disappoint. Oh, uh, Mikey, you. keep being an earnest mess. I don't like that. <laughs> <laughs> and Todd, just keep being earnest. Oh, well, if I learned anything from Oscar Wilde, it is the importance of being earnest. Yep. So important. No, I think the importance of being earnest mess. So what you're saying is you've never read that play? I've only not read that play, yes. No. <laughs> okay. Okay. Uh, 10 out of 10 every time. Thanks, crew, for everything. Five stars. SSYS Keels, hey. thank you so much for that awesome five-star review. And if you want to have Mikey read your review, leave us a five-star review. 
So, guys, if you like this show but want to hear this power thruple on another movie review show about romance and romantic comedies, check out Romancing the Pod, where Mikey, Paige, and I break down and make fun of romantic movies. It's a lot of fun, guys. Check it out. If you want to follow us on social, please do. We are at Horror Virgin or online at HorrorVirgin.com. If you want to follow us all individually, you can do that as well. Paige is at Paige Wesley on Twitter or Rampage Wesley everywhere else, including TikTok. Mikey is at M Randolph 24 and I am at Todd J Awesome. If you like the show so much and you want to help financially support it, please do by going to patreon.com slash horror virgin where you can get a lot of great levels and a lot of great stuff like bonus episodes, director's cut episodes where they're a little bit longer and you get them actually a day earlier mm-hmm, than the mm-hmm. regular feed drop. We do a lot of great things like listener requests and stuff like that. So guys, check out yeah. the Patreon and help support the show. If you you want to financially support me but not Todd just look me up on Venmo if you can't financially support the show that's understandable that's fine but if you want to hang out with us on the daily join the Facebook group uh, at facebook.com slash group slash horror virgin we also link it like once a week so just find it there and join the awesome Facebook group literally we're in there talking every day it's awesome and guys we got a P.O. box so if you want to send us some love letters or whatever you might send to a P.O. box it's actually not a P.O. box it's like a regular street address it's pretty awesome it's 6688 Nolensville Road, number 108-34, Brentwood, Tennessee, 37027. So send us some stuff. Yeah. And if you want to check out our Twitch stream, we're at twitch.tv slash Todd Awesome, where we will be playing horror video games. So if you have always wondered what it would be like to watch me get scared, you can now do that on Twitch while I play these horror games. It's twitch.tv slash Todd Awesome, guys. Check it out. It's a lot of fun for you. Not a lot of fun for me. This episode was brought to you by Tia and Tia's teenagers driving her crazy. So how is Tia's teenager driving her crazy this week? She's crab walking down the stairs, scraping her <laughs> knees and shit. It's that, you know, I respect the, the process. No, no, Mikey, no. no. This episode also brought to you by the number Jeff and Jeff wants you to check out his podcast Kissing Jessica Jones where each week they break down a new episode of either Agent Carter, WandaVision or Jessica Jones. So if you want to break down podcasts of any of those shows, check out Kissing Jessica Jones. This episode also brought to you by Jonathan and Jonathan wants me to make you guys watch some spooky spider videos. So I am going to make you do that now. Are you guys ready? All right. From what I understand, this is not a spider video. Oh, okay. It's the Christian cha-cha slide. (laughs) On the devil, let's stop. On temptation, let's stop. Bible slide real smooth. Now praise and shout. Oh, my God. Wow. I've actually seen this before. I'm going to make people do this at my sister's wedding next week. (laughs) That dude up front looks exactly like a youth pastor would look. He does. He does. Like the guy from Blue's Clues, but also Steve Buscemi holding a skateboard. Like that level. I won a roast battle last year by saying that my opponent looked like he couldn't wait to rap about the Lord. Um, I'll show you a photo of this man. Hang on. Oh my God, Paige. I love it. In the same battle, I did also say... That because he's Wisconsin, from Wisconsin, he used to be a cheesehead, and now it's just craft singles. So I'm a mean friend, is what I'm saying. Well, you were paid to make fun of him. We now return you to another episode of uh, the, the Patreonicals. What I do last episode? That episode came out today. Did you listen to it? No. <laughs> well, then this is on you, then, because you coulda. I think it's more fun when I don't know. I honestly sort of agree. Okay. So the the month of invaded Earth, right? And uh, ooh, 
I'm gonna get there. Hold on a second. Listen Give him a second, up. Paige. Hey, Give him a second. Don't rush him. Genius comes slow sometimes. There was a time machine in a pawn shop. I remember everything oh now. Oh, my God. I can't believe he got there. <laughs> 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 so, Libby, she just took a shit on the White House. What? Right in the Oval Office. They've, they are in control of the clone, the, the moon clone people. Let's go. How dark you guys want to go with? Oh, this? make it super dark, Mikey. They're currently lining up children in the street to shoot them. Wow, that went way darker than I anticipated. <laughs> you told me to go really dark. I didn't realize it was going to go to child murder. It's that's pretty dark. I mean, yes, it did meet the one criteria you set out. I mean, this is on me. I'll take that. That's on me. The next street over, Erin, the Moon General. She has all of her Moon Mun commanders. All around her, and she's like, children aren't evil enough. We need to really punish Earth. What can we really kill here? And they're like, actually, children is pretty bad. But like, let's also kill all the puppies. Oh, wow. All the cats. That They're just like that episode of Chernobyl where we're following the people who had to go round up all the house animals and kill them because they were irradiated. I hated that episode so much. They were irradiated, Todd. I mean, I understand why they had to do it. It's, it honestly was saving them from a very painful death, but it's still really sad. Mm-hmm. They've replaced all cheese on Earth with mun cheese. Oh, okay, I'm okay with that. Wait, like, like monster cheese? Because that's not bad. Or the moon cheese that you buy at Starbucks. Ooh, yeah, that's not bad. Except mm. it kills you. Why? Oh, Cheese hurt. has been outlawed now on the planet Earth. I'm just looking at this picture to stay calm. It's a picture of Henry Cavill. Yeah. Anyway, I'm really feeling it today. So, are you? This is feeling it. <laughs> Isaac and Karun are learning. Are they're leading the resistance? Uh, they've also built Sentinels, like the X Men. I love it. No notes. Uh huh. And they're hunting down Isaac and Karun. And Isaac has been eating mun people, so he's super powerful. He can punch right through a sentinel. But uh, Karun gets torn apart by another one, just destroyed. Oh, wow. Karun dies? Totally dead. Oh, good Lord. Paige is like does not like my story structure. I think she would like it if your story had a structure. Yeah. It's a vignette. (laughs) God, you don't know what that word means. He's only ever misused that word, Paige, please. Yeah, clearly. I've only ever read it on subtitles. <laughs> okay. Kate and Amy are in space. They're trying to like att- distract the moon, but then a uh, giant flying saucer comes up to their space station, fucks them up, just really fucks them up. Kate gets her head just <laughs> pops, blows away. Wait, everyone's Amy- dying? Yeah. Wow, this episode's getting real dark. Yeah. Y- you did this. No, I have no power here. This is all you, baby. You were like, I was like, how dark do you, you're like, the darkest. I didn't say the darkest. Amy's arm gets cut off, but it, it's in space. Everything's going so fast. And it flies back in and it impales her. So she, she gets impaled with her own arm. Wow. I didn't even realize that was possible. Okay. Scott and Wes decide that they need to die instead of keep cloning moon, moon people. So Scott eats Wes, chews him up because he's smaller and then he chokes on them and they both die together now is that technically a murder suicide or is it like what is that since they're all pregnant it's a they're a family annihilator <laughs> well you're delivering on the dark part of this for sure they're, well it's just clones i don't know why you think clones don't have a soul mike <laughs> i i don't understand you gotta take a stance why that one <laughs> <laughs> you gotta take one stance you gotta take a stance Anyway, cut to the giant donut that's currently hovering over Earth, and it's a jelly donut. And inside, inside, um, 
Shining Donut is Kaylee and Jennifer with a PH as they, they live in relative peace until the mun come. Their sentinels burst through Shining Donut's body and destroy it from the inside. And then Kaylee and Jennifer with a PH slowly suffocate in, in the deep space and then they freeze and die. Uh, Nathan, the professional wrestler, um, was killed by Allie the mermaid. She just stabbed him. It really was kind of, she sought him out and stabbed him and they fed him to fish. And that's what <laughs> happened to him. Okay. All right. Cool, cool, cool. Uh, Bo Easy died, died on his jet ski in a random accident. It was just, it didn't have anything really to do with anything else, but he did. Jeremy Laser Eyes, <laughs> they just held up a giant mirror and he lasered himself. It was just very unfortunate he's dead um but then dave walks into cody's pawn shop and he's like how much for that time machine and this time machine is a pocket watch that has buttons on it okay and he's like thanks bro and then but cody's like everyone's dead you have to sleep with me to have this pocket watch so what is happening they had to have <laughs> they had to have mun sex uh because that's now the only legal form of sex in the earth so they they push butts together and then he gave him the pocket watch and then dave disappears and he goes back in time and that's the end of the episode wow okay i guess we'll have to find out next week if dave saves everyone on another episode of uh, the, the patreonicals that's gonna be it for us you guys i'm Paige. i'm mikey and i'm your horror virgin todd keep it oogie spooky yeah have a great week bye bye nerds